This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. And indeed, we are here. It is Monday again. And happy Monday to you. WABC Talk Radio 77. You can be part of today's program if you dial 800-877-WABC. Or is that 848? Yeah. That's what I said. 848. I was confusing the numbers with the old EIB pass, you see. 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. It is amazing. That's the second time that's happened in my uh, career here, my second career here. Um, We, and I want to hear your phone calls, by the way, and there's a lot to discuss. I'm going to start off today with the Babylon Bee. The conservative Christian, and that's a key word here, Christian, Satire website, the Babylon Bee, has been suspended by Twitter over a tweet naming transgender U.S. Assistant Secretary of Health, Dr. Rachel Levine, as its man of the year. Despite, this comes from the Daily Mail UK, the story is everywhere, though. Well, almost everywhere. Despite facing the prospect of a permanent ban from the social media platform where it has... 1.3 million followers, the website, has struck a defiant tone, refusing to delete the offending tweet, targeting the trailblazing government official. Truth is not hate speech. Seth Dillon, the website CEO, tweeted on Sunday, if the cost of telling the truth is the loss of our Twitter account, then so be it. On March 15th, the Babylon Beast Twitter account fired off a tweet featuring a link to an article bearing the headline, The Babylon Bee's Man of the Year is Rachel Levine. And that came in response to the USA Today decision to name Levine as one of its Women of the Year. This is the controversy continues to rage over transgender swimmer Leah Thomas. And so the Babylon Bee, which is a satire site, which is also a satire site, a Christian satire site, conservative Christian satire site, is in the crosshairs of the liberals who run and own Twitter. The takeaway is this. Liberals are so intolerant, my friends, and their intolerance 
is something that knows no bounds. The truth, Seth Dillon says, is that Rachel Levine is a man, a biological man. And they mention Leah Thomas in the article here. Leah Thomas, there was an article a few weeks back that we read from that said one of the things that is upsetting to the other women on her swim team is that when she's in the locker room, sometimes um, they are exposed to seeing her privates, and they are the privates of of a male. And that is because biologically... That's what's there, a male private part. And so Seth Dillon, and I don't know whether or not he has religious views that tell him that in in biology there are two different genders, man and female. He created them. He created both. Or whether it is less than a religious prescription to him. But anyway... He's not allowed his truth, you see. His truth has to be subjugated to the opinions of liberalism. If liberals say that you are not allowed to have your truth, the truth, the truth, then you're not allowed to have the truth. You're not allowed. You're not allowed to express yourself with a truthful statement. If you say, for instance, the same thing could have happened if they had referred to Leah Thomas as a male. They get a notice that you are violating hate speech, that it's hateful. It's hateful. You violated our rules against hateful conduct. You may not promote violence against, threaten, or harass other people on the basis of race, ethnicity, National or sexual orientation, gender, gender identity, religious affiliation, age, disability, or serious disease. These are their rules. Now, in defense of Twitter, Twitter's a private company. They can make their own rules, as they have. I maintain that one of the biggest flaws, if you look at the Republican leadership in Congress over the last years when they had power, was not stripping away legal protections from these social media companies, not just Twitter, but Facebook as well. They will go out of their way to censor anybody that has a religious view that they don't agree, that, 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 that violates their liberal opinions. And so if they are allowed to censor as a private company Why is the government of the United States offering them protections against lawsuits? Why are they allowed to act as some kind of monopoly? If they want to be part of the free market, they want to operate their private business in such a manner, why are they immune to certain lawsuits? And this claim that they are just a platform and not a publisher is nonsense. They publish all the time. They're publishing their views, by the way, of, what hate is and what hate isn't. And how dare you violate that. Today is so-called a historic day. And it's historic because 
We have Katanji Brown-Jackson before the Senate Judiciary Committee. As her battle now moves into, not battle, or confirmation process, inches closer to her becoming the first black woman that will become a justice on the United States Supreme Court. Ironically, while this story is going on and there are stories about how black women are concerned about the questioning she's going to face, oh, no. There are all sorts of news articles about how unfair it would be if Republicans actually do what they say they're going to do and question her about her track record, including defending as a public defender and whether she's soft on crime or not. All of these are all of these are valid areas to question someone that wants to sit on the highest court. But oh no, Republicans might actually give her some questions. Well, Republicans that are sitting on the Judiciary Committee did is make sure already that they're not going to subject Miss Jackson to the same kind of treatment that Judge Kavanaugh, Justice Kavanaugh, received. There's an article in The Hill today. Kavanaugh fight cast a long shadow, long shadow, long dark shadow over the Jackson hearing. Several senators today brought up the 2018 Supreme Court battle. They pretty much pledged to Miss Jackson, you're not going to face that kind, kind of not. You're not going to be smeared. Lindsey Graham, the South Carolina senator, said the Democrat senators are not going to have their windows busted by groups like Republican senators did, he's referring to. It means that no Republican senator is going to unleash on you an attack about your character when the hearing is almost over, he promised Ms. Jackson. Yeah, you're not going to face this. You're not going to face someone coming in here with some scurrilous charge made out of whole cloth designed to derail your hearing, some trumped-up witnesses that really, a, a, a star witness whose own side, her own friends, never backed up her story, which makes us all believe it was bogus. Senator Ted Cruz told Ms. Jackson that the hearing will have none of the disgraceful behavior of the previous fights. No one's going to ask you with mock severity, do you like beer? Cruz said. But nonetheless, you'll see articles almost as if they are warning To Republicans, you better not question her too hard. You better not bring up. You better not bring up her past too much and make her uncomfortable because the world is watching. Ironic then that today there's a news story about Justice Thomas, who was subject to the high tech lynching before Joe Biden and other Democrats when he had to go through the confirmation process. Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas admitted to Sylvie Memorial Hospital in Washington, D.C. last Friday evening after experiencing flu-like symptoms. After undergoing several tests, 
the 73-year-old justice was diagnosed with an infection. He's resting comfortably while his symptoms are, quote-unquote, abating. That is according to a statement released by the Supreme Court. Justice Thomas has been vaccinated, has had the booster for COVID-19, and the Supreme Court spokesman, this is in AmericanWireNews.com today, AmericanWireNews.com, says his symptoms are abating, he's resting comfortably, and he expects to be released from the hospital in a day or so. That did not stop the liberals from coming out and their comments. Let me read some of the comments. Juan Abbey on Twitter, referring to the fact that Justice Thomas was ill. Now do Kavanaugh and Barrett. In other words, let's make sure that Justice Kavanaugh and Barrett are sick next. And a woman named Valentina Clutcher replied to this on Twitter, which, mind you, is supposed to get rid of hate speech. Yeah. Supposed to get rid of all the hate speech, i.e. the Babylon Bee, saying that a biological man is a biological man, is that's hate speech. But here's what, on Twitter, one of the users, Valentina Kleckner, responded to, hey, the, speaking of two justices on the Supreme Court, Kavanaugh and Barrett, they're not going to die for nearly half a century. Unfortunately, the GOP chose two young and healthy picks for this very reason. Does that sound like a little hateful to you? Or how about this one? From Rona. Rona underscore Corona. Don't even try to make me feel guilty about being happy that Justice Thomas is sick and ill and in the hospital. And then there's Wade at Take Haver. The Take Haver. He says, thoughts and prayers for the infection. For the infection that made Justice Thomas ill. Another on Twitter, the same Twitter that bans the Babylon Bee for saying that a person they say is a biological man according to their knowledge of science and their beliefs is a biological man. They were thrown off Twitter. But yet Twitter will have this in reaction to Justice Thomas being sick, being ill, being hospitalized. Here's what another liberal, we assume, at 10 E. Williams wrote, I was hoping it was his heart, but I forgot that he doesn't have one. Him and Sure 9, F that. I mean, I mean, so screw that. I mean the part that he's recovering. That's just a little sampling of what the hate that is allowed on Twitter, a platform that some, 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 sometimes says, at least when it's conservatives, oh, we don't allow hate speech. We don't allow hate speech here. Well, if it's hateful speech about a conservative, not only does Twitter allow it, they make no steps whatsoever to get rid of it. 
hate to Twitter is a one-way street. As long as their uses hate Republicans, hate conservatives, why that hate's acceptable. But if you actually say the truth, your truth, the truth that you have been raised to believe from science and possibly from your religious upbringing, then you are thrown off their platform for violating their hate speech rules. We are coming back. More of you later in the program, a bit later, and we're not going to take a long time to get to your calls. 800-848-WABC is the number to call, 848-9222. We've got more news. We've got more of your calls coming up, so stay right here. Entertaining and informative. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snerdly, is on the air. 77 WABC. The one, the only, Natalie Cole brings us back on WABC. We had so much fun last week when John Andradzak from, well, he is, he is the band. Five for Fighting joined us for an interview, and so that we could uh, we could highlight his new song. Can one man save the world? And what a beautiful song it was! And we had great fun with him. And I received a lot of mail from you guys, email from you guys and ladies in the audience, saying how much you appreciated this song, how much you liked it, and making other comments about the music. And yes, we are going to be expanding. And, and podcast, and on the Saturday show, we're thinking about even doing a, a music feature once a week. We're still uh, debating that back and forth. And and we do. Our crew here at, at Bo Snurdly, James Golden, just has the greatest taste in music and always keeps us, you know, happy and clapping and partying while we have to deal with the news of the day. And on Saturdays, we have fun during the Saturday morning show which is now from 7 a.m. until 10 on Saturday morning. And so, yes, there will be more music as part of what we do here. And because we love it and it's uplifting. Now, if you think about going back to matters of the court, I was thinking about this over the weekend, and I wonder if you would agree with me. If you look at most problems, most of the things that we conservative believe are problems in the United States, many of them have an origin. In the courts. And if you look, for instance, at some of the most vitriolic issues that are tearing the American people apart, so to speak, one of them, of course, has been abortion ever since the liberal Supreme Court issued Roe versus Wade and took the matter out of the hands of states and took it upon themselves to issue what in many many people believe, many experts, legal experts believe, was an arbitrary decision. If you look at some of the issues surrounding gender and sexuality in our society today, go back and look at some of the court cases that preceded them. Look at some of the rulings on race and now how they have inflamed the nation. 
whether it be the acceptance of affirmative action, which means the government is free to discriminate against races of people, and the government can choose racial winners and losers instead of being a colorblind in a colorblind position of neutrality. The courts. So keep that in mind while you listen to this. In Arkansas today, a circuit court judge, not even an appeals court judge, a circuit court judge in Pulaski County ruled that the Republican legislature there is wrong when it passed four new voting laws. This one judge, this one circuit court judge, says that these rules are unconstitutional and would make it harder, in some cases, impossible, impossible for voters to cast their ballots. So, by the way, the lawsuit was filed by the League of Women Voters in 2021. So what, what are these laws that are so horrific so horrible that they would not pass constitutional muster or that they would make it impossible for people to vote. Well, they passed voter ID. (gasps) No, you have to show an ID to vote. That's one of the things that this judge said was unconstitutional. Really? So, is it also unconstitutional for the airlines to demand ID before you get on their planes or for the government to demand ID when you go to buy a pack of cigarettes? There's also a law, part of this provision in Arkansas, that that this judge finds highly objectionable, unconstitutional, unconscionable, It restricts anyone who isn't voting from coming within 100 feet of a polling place. They require, for instance, here's another aspect of this, signature on absentee uh, voters' ballots have to actually match the signature on their voter registration cards. And they moved up the deadline for voters returning absentee ballots in person. This circuit court judge says these provisions are unconstitutional and they might make it impossible for people to vote. Oh, really? Make it impossible for people to vote by having to come up with an identification card, making sure that your signatures match, not allowing people that aren't part of the voting process to come near the voting facility and moving up a deadline put in place by, no doubt, by Democrats for when absentee ballots can be turned in. And that's the horror story that Republicans offered. None of those things, none of those things would keep people from voting. But yet, this one judge, Wendell Griffin, has decided he is above the legislature in the state of Arkansas. And this battle is going on all over the country, especially over voting ID. And ask yourself one question. 
Why are Democrats so afraid? Why are Democrats and their party hacks, including party hacks that sit on the judicial branch, why are they so afraid of voter ID? Ask yourself that question. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snerley, we're coming back, and we will begin your phone call shortly. Don't you go away. Stay right here. Bo knows politics and so much more. A true connection to real New York on 77 WABC. Oh, there's a voice, James Ingram. This was on a Quincy Jones album, Quincy Jones producing 100 Ways. And I believe this was James Ingram's first big hit. Compliment what she does. Send her roses just because. Remember, following this show, Cats at Night, every weekday here on WABC Talk Radio 77. Uh, Princess died. you sent me a story. The story was from June of uh, 2021. And this is going back to those hateful things that I read in the story that we got from American Wire News. Of course, you don't see those stories in the mainstream press. You only see them in conservative news outlets. What liberals are really saying and what they're doing. What we get the stories that Republicans all know. Republicans had better play nice with this new Supreme Court. Just she's a black woman and black women. Why they're worried about what Republicans are going to do. What, whether they're going to ask her questions about her track record. How dare they? How dare they ask questions about what she did in the past to merit her being on the Supreme Court? Meanwhile, here's a story. Again, sent to us from Princess Di back the story was published in June of 2021 about Julian Malvo, who was appointed a dean, the new dean of Cal State, California State, L.A.'s Ethnic Studies. Now, let's remember this. This, this, this story goes back to what, what Juliet Malvo said about Justice Clarence Thomas while she was on PBS. PBS. Oh, that's, that's no hate speech on PBS ever. Oh, no, no. Well, Julian Malvo, speaking of Justice Thomas, said, I hope his wife feeds him lots of eggs and butter, and he dies early, like many black men do, of heart disease. After some years passed, in 2011, she called that her own comment a wisecrack and said it was misconstrued as hate speech. And she went on to explain um, and, and try to make a joke of it. The average black man had a life expectancy of about 65. She says, and, and if his wife fed him lots of butter and eggs, ingredients for high cholesterol and heart trouble, he'd die an early death. Conservatives called it a death wish, death by breakfast. I responded, said Juliet Marvo, still in jest. If someone was standing over Thomas with an Uzi, forcing him to eat that, it's as if someone was standing over him with an Uzi, forcing him to eat that butter and eggs. And she said, while acknowledging that the comment was in poor taste, which, by the way, is not an apology. It's an acknowledgement, not an apology. She said that the apology does not mitigate or reduce her contempt for Clarence Thomas 
and for his arrogant dismissal of liberals and for the African-American community. She also claimed her words were distorted. But the, a part that is considered an apology was this. It has taken me nearly two decades and an attempted assassination to understand the damage that my wisecrack might have caused not to Justice Thomas. She's still not apologizing to him, but to the public discourse. Now, I know, when I say I know her, I have debated Juliet Malvo way, way back when. Actually, it was the late 90s and, um, and early 2000s. And Juliet Malvo and I got along in person. I mean, we, 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 we argued like cats and dogs, but we were still able to get along. But these remarks that she made were reprehensible. But this is what the left does. They've been doing this to Justice Thomas for a long time. They call him all sorts of names. Harry Reid, when he was the Senate Majority Leader, basically said that Justice Thomas was illiterate and not capable of writing the decisions, although you will find other learned court watchers who say that Justice Thomas's decisions have pretty much been the leading guideposts for where the court is now. And even Politico had a story about the tremendous influence that Justice Thomas has had, not only on the court, but will have for generations to come because of all the law clerks that he has trained and how they have now become part of the system. So forgive us on the conservative side after everything we have seen on the courts, after the ugliness of the Kavanaugh hearings, after the smears and lies and ugliness that the Democrats brought out during the Kavanaugh hearings, after what they tried to do to Neil Gorsuch, after what they tried to do to Amy Comey Bryant, after what they did to Justice Thomas, after what they did to Alito. Many people don't even remember his confirmation hearings. They were so awful, his wife was sitting down in the front row crying over the attacks that they were making on him. These people are vicious, and they are hateful, and that's what they do for a living. They are the ones in our political process that in that that bring hate to the surface with every political appointee that they think can harm them. They did that to Miguel Estrada, and he was up for an appeals court, the Hispanic, but he was conservative. It didn't matter whether he was Hispanic. They've attacked black women when they were running, when they were in the running for Supreme Court nominations. They don't care about skin color. They don't care about gender, anything else, when they launch their hate and smear attacks on Republicans. And yet today we see the Babylon Bee is banned from Twitter for saying the truth that a biological man is a biological man. Let us go to the telephone, shall we, and start with Bobby in Manhattan. Bobby, thank you for waiting. WABC Talk Radio 77, you're on with James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, what's up? I want to ask you, this lady that's being elected to the state Supreme Supreme Court, was she funded by George Soros while she was a public defender? 
Now that I don't know, the, I don't know the answer to that. I don't know whether she was. I, but number one, um, we'd have to look and see whether she was funded as she ran for public office. That's what Soros has done, and it's she's being nominated, not elected, to the U- United States Supreme Court, nominated by Joe Biden for that role after he promised that he was not going to select an applicant based on merit, but rather on skin color and gender, and he's followed through on that. So this, to me, nomination has been tainted all the way through. It is not what America should be about. America should be about achievement and merit. If you are the best, if you are the best jurist, and you happen to be black or Hispanic or female or whatever it is, no one cares. But to simply say, we are going to exclude white people from this, we're going to exclude Hispanics, we're going to exclude everybody from it except a black woman, I thought that that was a pretty telling thing about this administration and the and the Democrat Party, and notice the Democrat Party didn't object to it either. They are full for, they are all for this. The Democrat Party is not about individual achievement. They're not about merit. Did you earn your way through your work? And yet, and yet, even though that's the case, they are warning Republicans off of of actually even investigating the work that Ms. Brown did along the way that allowed her to be nominated by Joe Biden. They're saying, you better not, you better not go too far deeply in her track record and accuse her of being soft on crime, and you better not talk about the way that she handled child pornography cases. That's another one that's coming up in here, that apparently there's some some there there because we Democrats do not want this talked about during her hearings. Now, will Republicans oblige? Most likely because Republicans don't want to fight. Republicans have always been afraid that the people that call them racist on a regular basis are going to call them racist again. And I don't understand why they fear that, because no matter what they do, they're going to be called racist anyway. (sighs) That is the state of things. The world appears to be upside down in so many cases. Things that we once assumed were norm, the norm, are not normal anymore. No, you cannot call a male a male. You cannot call a female a female. If you're part of today's Democrat world, and no, you cannot question a person of color. You cannot treat them equally and demand that they actually answer questions about their track record. It's not fair. More of your calls coming up. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurley, here on WABC Talk Radio 77. We are the crown jewel of American radio. John Catcho is up next. Make sure you stay here for it. Meanwhile, we've got more of your calls coming up. We have more news coming up, more stories from the day coming up. So stay with us. Now, here's the soul of excellence, James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC.
WABC Talk Radio 77 in New York. Well, now, he can call this the Trump curse. That's what the American spectator says. Scandals seem to befall his most moralistic critics, from the activists at the Lincoln Project to journalists like Chris Cuomo to the imprisoned lawyer Michael Avenetti. A new addition of this, to this roster, Mark Galley. He's the former editor of Christianity Today. Now, this is a guy that went on a tear. In an editorial, he proclaimed that Donald Trump should be removed from office. We believe it's not a matter of partisan loyalties, but loyalty to the creator of the Ten Commandments. Boy, the media ate that up, and they just kept, they put it out there, put it out there. So this was a guy that called for Donald Trump president because he said Donald Trump lacked the morality necessary to serve in the presidency. Now, guess what happened now? Eight women have alleged that Mark Galley, this highfalutin, oh, deeply pious man who called for Donald Trump to be removed, eight women have now alleged that he has touched them inappropriately, including one former employee who said that Galley caressed her bare shoulder during an event in the early 2000s, Another said his hand got stuck under her bra when he rubbed her back. He's been reprimanded. He was reprimanded apparently in 2019 after three women in three days reported to human resources he had inappropriately touched them, allegedly hugging a woman from behind, grabbing another woman by the shoulders and shaking her, and putting his hand on another woman's buttocks. Well, well, well. Mr. High and Moral. Yeah. Donald Trump's not moral. Mm-hmm. Let us head back to the telephones. Let us go to Boston, Massachusetts, or Taxachusetts, as it's called in some quarters, and speak with Howard. Howard, how are you? Well, uh, it used to be Taxachusetts, but uh, we have Prop 2 and a half, thank God. I've been listening to you for a number of uh, years, and uh, I happen to be, unfortunately, a member of the silent generations, those born between 1928 and 45. And we've been so silent that we we forgot that we should have stayed involved after we returned from service or what have you. I served six years during the Vietnam era, what have you. And what you're saying to me is I I don't sense anger. I'm just saddened by what's happening. It was saddened. I hate to say this. I used to have to repeat myself to people. I remember whether you're black, blue, or white, or green, or whatever, everybody's blood is the same color. It's called red. And that's what we should think about each other in a humanity, in a human way. As far as your conversations regarding uh, voting and you have to produce a document, I remember as a kid, you have to have a ID, uh, driver's license, or something to buy a pack of cigarettes in some states or alcohol. Right. So I don't think and people have forgotten those days. No, you people still do. Look, in some states, and I'm sorry to cut you off. We want to get to some more calls, though. And thank you for the call, by the way, and your point about we all bleed the same, blood is red, absolutely. But your point about identification, in some states today, they even ID adults looking for cigarettes. And here you have this circuit court judge, saying that it's unconstitutional to ask people for an ID when they show up to the polls. It's absurd. 
Let us go to Ralph in Manhattan. Ralph, welcome to WABC Talk Radio 77. James, regarding the Leah Thomas uh, situation, you know, I'm far from conservative. You know, you, you do have other people that actually listen to your program. That's not exactly from your bent, but I will say that the women are finally coming out, if you notice, in good numbers, actually, and actually speaking out against this ridiculous, this is an atrocity. These, these women work forever, and I'm talking about a work ethic uh, unmatched. They, they have to go about their business with great fervor to get to that level. And then they're usurped uh, suddenly by someone masquerading as a female. And that's exactly what it is. I don't mean to offend anybody, and I'm sure I'm doing it right now, but when you have a physique like this uh, woman, and you, you'll say to yourself, James, this is not fair. If anything is, is unfair, it's this. And finally, if you notice the courage on some of these women, because they're going against a lot of um, uh, people that will will rise up against them. They're actually speaking out and saying, I worked hard for this. And now this uh, woman comes along, man, woman comes along, and, and I'm just out of, a, out of a position on the team. I'm looked at as a second-class citizen. Not fair, James. Well, one of the things that happened over the weekend was that um, there were some races that, that uh, Leah Thomas lost, and there was silence when when Leah Thomas lost, but there was also a race that sh- that that was won by Leah Thomas, and when Leah got out of the pool, it was silence. When the second place uh, was announced, a woman by the name Emma, I forgot her last name, she was greeted with loud applause, and people were saying, "This is the real winner of the race. This is not going on unnoticed." And unless we get something from the NCAA and from other quarters that are saying, listen, this is not fair, and if we're going to have transgender people, the fairest thing to do is to allow transgender people to compete against each other. It would be totally fair. Solve the problem. But, see, that doesn't go along with the politically correct way that the liberals want this this handled. And I guess when you start talking about uh, this person that was in that is now the subject of the Babylon Bee. It is evident that, well, anyway, in certain quarters you are not allowed to state the truth, the biological truth. The truth is forbidden. Let us go to Stella in Westchester. How are you doing, Stella? Welcome, WABC Talk Radio seventy seven. Oh, hey, James. I was listening to your radio program on Saturday, mm-hmm. and uh, this woman called regarding uh, she has a daughter who lives in this town called Westport in Connecticut, which I'm right. very familiar with. Um, I have family that not lives there, but in towns close by. So I've been to Westport, and they are super wealthy. And she was talking about that grassroots group, that um, movement that <clears throat> some of the parents uh, have started for the schools because they they um, really are opposed to teaching their kids CRT. Mm-hmm. And the sad part is I went on to this website, and it is anonymous, and they say they have to stay anonymous because they are getting verbal. They were getting verbal attacks not only on social media but even by the local political candidates. Now, 
they say that, you know, they're not, it's just that they even said that there's many um, esteemed African-American intellects who oppose the notion that critical race theory is beneficial to them as a group. For example, Glenn Lowry, John McWhorter, Thomas Sowell, Walter Williams, Shelby Steele, and Eric Smith. And by virtue of the CRT ideology, where anyone who is not anti-racist is a racist, these black intellects would be deemed as racists, even though they were black. Yeah, well, I'm sure they'd love to call me a racist, too. And frankly, I don't care what they call me. The idea that you can teach, and now we're moving, it's not just one generation. This has been going on. As I said on Saturday, if you remember, there are now generations of black people who have been brought up with the racist idea that white people are all evil, want to oppress them, et cetera, et cetera. And no one in our society really, from a leadership position, stands up and talks about this black racism and says this is wrong and this needs to stop. And, and, and it is harmful to society. Racism, to, in my point of view, is a disease. Racism is a disease. And now we have allowed it to inflict so many people in our society, and we are trying to institutionalize it in the schools with critical race theory. And this has to stop. I thank you for the call so much. Jackie in Brooklyn, we have time is running out, wanted to get you in. We have so many calls. We'll try to get as many as we can. Jackie. How are you doing this afternoon? Good, James. Thank you. And, and I hope you're doing well also this beautiful spring day. Um, I, I find it interesting that you had just used the term political correctness and your previous caller used uh, the term critical race theory, CRT. I happened to watch a program this weekend. It was on a Catholic channel called EWTN, Eternal Word Television Network. And the program was called A Wolf in Sheep's Clothing. I was uh, uh, born in the mid-60s, and a lot of what was discussed was going back to the 20s and the 30s and also the 50s and the 60s. And I would recommend this to people uh, to educate themselves and to understand how all of this began over almost 100 years ago and with the whole premise of infiltrating society, destroying morality, and promoting all of these theories. They actually developed the term critical theory to uh, exploit the differences between uh, the genders, to incite gender conflict, and to exploit the commonalities between the genders, to incite gender confusion, which is what we have now in today's society with all of this transgender agenda. And I'm not talking about, you know, being mean or uh, hurtful to individuals. They are the way they are, but it doesn't have to be promoted. And if people are interested in educating themselves a little bit, they can go to EWTN.com forward slash on demand, and the program is A Wolf in Sheep's Clothing. I was amazed that these are not only current terms. These are terms going back 100 years ago. Jackie, thank you so much. Appreciate that. And you know what? Progressives have been at this a long time. Let us not forget the grandmother of abortion in America is Margaret Sanger. And Pam Parenthood, yeah, that is committing this genocide in the womb, this has been a long-term goal to get rid of the people that Margaret Sanger and her ilk found undesirable. This stuff has been going on. Progressivism is not new, folks. Anyway, so quickly, oh, so quickly, we're at the end of the run for the Monday program. We will be back tomorrow. Uh, Mark Stein is usually with us on Tuesday, 
Don't know yet whether he'll be able to be with us tomorrow. He's in the Ukraine, and I'm sure we're going to, I can't wait till we catch up with him. Anyway, New York, we are. With New York Strong here on WABC in America, the greatest nation on the face of the earth. May God bless and protect each and every one of you and your families. And look down with favor on those suffering in Ukraine. We will be back tomorrow at 4. Bye.